to admit something to you. Uh, most of you know this about me. Uh, you have forgiven me. You still love me. If you don't know me that well, this might come as a shock. I am ready for the responses verbally, facially, whatever. Here it is. I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. Always have been. <clears throat> Let me tell you a story. I was born in Texas. Granted, we moved there when I was like four, four and a half. Uh, I don't remember cheering for any other NFL team ever in my life. Okay? Cowboys, Cowboys, Cowboys. <clears throat> Being in California, not near Dallas, you know, pretty okay fan. I mean, I didn't ever deviate from my fanmanship to the Cowboys. But here's the crazy part. I didn't amp up my, my fan level for the Cowboys until I got here. And you know why? Because of pressure of being in Redskins territory. Commander, whatever you guys call each other. Anyway. Um, and it's crazy. To the point that even in my office, I should have had a picture. Um, you can stop by any time. I have one shelf with all Cowboys stuff. Um, got my grandfather's old Longhorn uh, little statue that, I mean, I have this whole Cowboys thing now. But it wasn't until I got here, because the pressure to really stand my ground as a Cowboys fan happened when the pressure came from the outside. All right? That was y'all. Um, now I got some other Cowboys fans in the house. I know that. Um, but we're going to take a look in this book of John. Jesus has been hanging out with his disciples, encouraging them, uh, preparing them, warning them what's coming. Uh, we are getting to John chapter 15, starting in verse 18. We're actually going to go through into chapter 16. <clears throat> but here is a time where last week he talked about, hey, love, love your neighbor, uh, love one another, abide in me. Uh, this, this love section, you know, stay strong in your love, love others, you're glorifying me if you do. But now he's warning that this love, this life, this faith you have, this relationship with me, the world doesn't quite like it very much. Uh, in fact, the world's going to hate you because of your relationship with me. Uh, and the, the focus I want for today is to not fall away. And we're, we're going to see that in 16 verse 1. But read with me John 15, uh, starting in verse 18, then we'll go through 16 4. Uh, it says, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I do not, if I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. But when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, 
Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think that he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. So this main kind of focus today is to not fall away. Uh, that, that in our faith, we have hope. Uh, we have a trust in Almighty God in our relationship with the Son through the power of the Holy Spirit to stand firm no matter what comes, no matter the attitude of the world. Um, but it tends to be our default setting, right? When pressure comes, uh, some some hatred coming our way, it's better to kind of just withdraw a little bit. It's more difficult to take a stand, uh, especially when the majority is against us. But I want us to take a look at... at who is doing the hating? Um, and then if the world hates us, first of all, don't be surprised. Uh, second, don't, don't take it personally. And then also understand that it comes from a place of ignorance. Uh, and then from there, we're going to take a look at, well, how do we react to this hatred uh, through the Holy Spirit, uh, through our commitment and faith and staying strong and firm in our faith uh, as we react to the world? Uh, so taking a look at who, who are the haters, uh, we see in verse 18 that it's the world. Okay, we should begin by clarifying, by the way, which world Jesus is referring to, because throughout scripture, uh, there are three worlds. Okay, one is the created world, the natural world. Um, there are times that I feel like the created world hates me a little bit. Um, I love mountain biking. And recently, it seems every single time I go out on a mountain bike ride, those little stinking bushes and branches are grabbing at my arms every time. Um, it's like a big target or something. Um, now, granted, creation doesn't hate me. Uh, we deal with that. There's also uh, the definition of the world of all of humanity, uh, the entire world. God so loved the world, everyone. Uh, and then there is the definition of world as a group of people, society apart from God, um, even opposed to God. Uh, this, as we've seen through the book of John, who are living in darkness, who have chosen the darkness, uh, who are separated and have no desire to have a relationship with God. That is the, the world that this uh, passage is talking about. But then you go to 16 verse 2. It says, they will put you out of the synagogues. Part of this group of, of haters is the religious sect as well. The religious leaders. Um, we've seen this throughout the book of John. Jesus and his clashing with the religious leaders and they not understanding who he is. Not knowing that he's the son of God. That he's doing the work of the father. And there's hatred there. Um, ultimately going to cost him his life uh, because of that. But how sad is that, that even in our time today, there are times within the religious community that people are being hated by being true followers of Christ. By the way, cancel culture isn't a brand new thing. It's been around uh, from the beginning of time. And to understand that, that there are those who hate, uh, first and foremost, as those who follow Christ uh, and have a personal relationship with him. Uh, but to know that that here's a group that is going to disagree with you and your faith. Disagree with these disciples as Christ leaves and they're on their own. Um, so look at verse 18 again. And here's the first point. If the world hates us, don't be surprised. Okay? You can be disappointed. You can be frustrated. But, but 
don't be surprised. Kind of like being a Cowboys fan, okay? And I will throw myself under the bus this time, okay? If we lose a game, which we are going to lose games, right? I can be disappointed and frustrated for a minute, but should I be surprised? No. You right? I keep having hope every year. Um, but, but there are things in life that you know is going to happen. So don't be surprised. Um, but understand that that's what is going to happen. And Jesus promises that the world is going to hate you because the world hates me. Uh, verse 19, uh, it shows that the world rejects those who are not part of it. Uh, we can't be surprised by the rejection of the world uh, when, as a believer, as a Christ follower, uh, we don't talk and act like the world does. Uh, the world doesn't like those who don't conform to its lifestyle, uh, to its expectations, uh, those who don't line up with their values, okay? If you're not lining up with the world's values, which is a whole nother sermon series right now that we could get into, but if we're not lined up, the world's going to hate. Uh, the temptation comes for us, though, to conform a little bit, doesn't it? Man, it'd be easier if I just didn't advertise my my relationship with Jesus. You know, just kind of fly low under the radar. Uh, but conforming to the world, we know this from Romans 12, do not conform to the world. Uh, do not go along with what the world wants because there's a very distinct line, by the way, drawn between the things of God and the things of the world. And we see this through scripture. Uh, Jesus said that his teacher teachings were going to be counterculture. Uh, and the world is going to hate what he teaches. The world is going to hate him. And as a believer, as a Christ follower, the world is going to hate me as well. He warned us not to love the world or the things in the world because that means that even the love of the Father isn't there. And it really is that line of distinction of the love of the Father, this relationship with Jesus, or the things of the world. Can't have both. Um, it's either the world or God. Uh, in Matthew 12, who... Jesus says, whoever is not with me is against me. There is no gray zone. And so, yes, when there is a distinct line that cannot be crossed and it's one or the other, don't be surprised. When you're on one side following Christ as best you can and the world doesn't want anything to do with that, there's going to be some pushback. There's going to be hatred that comes in from that position. And... If the world hates us, we can't be surprised, but also don't take it personally. Uh, look at verse 21. It says, all these things they will do to you on account of me. Uh, I spent two of my summers in college on a summer evangelism team. Uh, we got to go out for like 10 or 11 weeks to different churches, lead these mini revivals, and have an opportunity to go and to do a lot of door-to-door knocking of the the area around these churches to do some witnessing one-on-one and it's terrifying it was terrifying then it's still not it's still pretty terrifying now to just put yourself out there and share your faith but in training they were very clear that look if a door gets closed in your face it's not about you because i like i'm a nice guy right you guys know that nice personality personable uh, I don't know a stranger if you've ever gone shopping with me or gone to different places. I feel like I know everyone. I'm a nice guy. And they're like, look, if they close the door, it's not closing the door on Randy. It's that it's Jesus. 
that they're closing their own. It is your faith. It is who you represent. It is what your life is is showing and what you are trying to share with. That's the closed door. Um, and so not to take it personally that the things of Jesus are going to offend the world. Uh, and it's not about us. We happen to be the messenger. But it really is a problem that they have with Jesus, which at the root of it comes, and we'll see this in verse 22. It says, If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Okay, they thought they were living okay, maybe doing some religious things. Jesus shows up as like, look, I am the only way. I don't care about your religion. I don't care how, you know, clean you keep your nose. If you sin, you're going to have an eternity in hell. Without me, you will not have eternal life. And so here's this message. Uh, in fact, let me read to you John 7, 7. Because he basically just calls everyone out. Uh, John 7, 7 says this. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify about it that its works are evil. And no one likes to be called out. No one likes to be told that they're wrong. No one likes to be, you know, especially that you're evil, that you have sin in your life. So, of course, there's going to be this reaction from the world uh, to Jesus. Think about this. The world doesn't necessarily hate Jesus because he was mean or rude. Okay, I don't think he was any of those things um, or even unkind. It may not have even been that he claimed to be God or king but definitely hated him when he said that they were with sin, that their lives were evil, that they would not have eternal life without him. So, of course, they're going to hate what Jesus has said, what he has given. No one likes to be called out or corrected. Um, and here Jesus is, truly God, giving the situation that without him, without access to the Father, we are going to spend eternity in hell. Uh, and so... We don't need to take it personally because it's all about Jesus. But we do need to take it personally when we have committed our lives to Jesus and to live our life out in glory to him and, and surrendering, surrendering our all to him. We also need to know that the, if the world hates us, it's out of ignorance. They just don't know. Look at verse or 15, verse 21, and then 16, verse 3. 1521 says, but all these things they will do to you on account of my name because they do not know him who sent me. They don't know the father. They don't, if you don't know the father, you're not going to get the message from, of the son who is giving the message from the father. And then 163 says, and they will do these things because they have not known the father nor me. So you don't take it personally because they don't know how far off they are. How in, much in the darkness they are. They don't realize their spiritual uh, status or their spiritual situation that they're in because they're in the dark. Uh, I don't know if you've kind of hung out in your, in your home, and I hate that the days are getting shorter already. Uh, but you're kind of hanging out. Doors are open. Windows are open. Sun shines in. Uh, and then all of a sudden, you don't realize how dark it got until you hit the light on um, you don't realize the situation that, that you're in. Um, and I got my first pair of glasses my freshman year of college uh, and uh, started wearing them. And I'm driving from the eye doctor to back to campus. Uh, I was at school in Southern California. And I pull up to the first light, uh, traffic light, and I'm like, oh, 
the green arrow has two different light things, right? There's the angle, then there's the line. I didn't realize that there was a separation between the two. I didn't think that my eyes were that bad. Um, but here's a situation that I, I got corrected lenses and I saw the light. Literally, both of them. Okay? Here's Jesus saying, they, out of ignorance, if they don't know the Father, they don't know me, they don't trust who I am, they are clueless about the sin in their life. They're clueless about their situation. Um, and the world hates because it does not know God. And Jesus warns that there will be people who claim to know God. There's actually people that will claim to know God and claim to do the things of God, and they're far off. Okay, one example that we have from this um, is Paul, right? Paul was persecuting Christians thinking he was an agent of, of the Lord, that he was doing God's work. Okay, he's right, they're wrong, until he got in a face-to-face with God uh, and, and seeing Jesus for who he is and seeing the truth in a way that he realized how wrong he was. Um, and so that they will put you out of the synagogues, that there will be even this religious pushback against the things of Jesus. They just don't know. They don't have the full picture. Um, now, we also see that there will be those who do know Jesus, who do know the things of God and want nothing to do with him and, and do hate Christ and his work, that do hate God. And we see that in 1524. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. Um, and we've heard, they've heard and seen the works of Jesus and are guilty. Uh, they, they don't want anything to do with him. Uh, so we see this relationship and the, and the pressure and the, the um, persecution that will come from the world because we are Christ followers. But Jesus says, I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. Okay, back in chapter 16. And so, yes, difficulties, persecution, rejection will occur. Uh, 16.4 says, but I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. Okay? When the hour comes, not if, not possibly, not there's a chance, they will come. If we are fully living our lives for Jesus, if we are representing Christ in all things that we do, we are going to have some persecution. And, and I'm not saying that, that your life's going to be, going to end. I pray none of that's going to happen, but there are going to be those who don't like it. And there's going to be those who hate who you represent. So how do we react to these haters? How do we deal with um, the, the pressure that's going to come from this world to conform? Um, how do we deal with that? How do we keep falling away and withdrawing? Well, here's the awesome thing. We have some help. Uh, look at verse 26 and 27. This is a Trinity alert, by the way. Put a T by the passage, verses 26 and 27. An amazing class on Wednesday nights with Pastor Wayne about the Trinity. Um, if you don't have plans at 7 o'clock on Wednesday. But here's the Holy Spirit. We get God. We've talked about this the last few weeks about, about we not only get access to God through Christ. We, he, God is fully invested in us and living in us. Look at verse 26 and 27. It says, but when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. 
Isn't that interesting that these two verses kind of sit between this long passage on either side of these verses dealing with haters, right? That, that here is this, this, you know, kind of seems out of place, but it's quite the opposite because truly what's in the middle matters most. Okay. Especially in this situation, Oreo cookies, who in the world eats just the cookies, right? It's all about the inside. And the thing, who in the world, no, I want to even ask, I don't want to call you guys out. Whoever thought of the thin Oreos? Like, that's ridiculous. Okay, give me the calories. I'd rather have the calories with the white stuff in the middle than the cookies. Okay, double stuff all day. By the way, if you're going to lunch today and getting a sandwich, you're not going to order a whole wheat sandwich, right? You're going to have a turkey sandwich. It's what's in the middle. Okay, you don't order tacos by, can I have a tortilla taco, please? No, give me some barbacoa, some carne asada, maybe not lengua, if you know what that is. But um, but it's what's in the middle. So here's this passage. Here's this pressure, this persecution, this hatred from the world. And how do we handle that? It's right in the middle. It's the Holy Spirit. It's God. It's the power that we have to be witnesses because of the witness of the Holy Spirit. Is God at work in our life. And we have that through the work of the Holy Spirit. It's not on our own, because on our own, our default is going to be to back off, to fall away, to to take a hike, and to run. Um, But here's the amazing thing with the Holy Spirit. He's a witness to us, uh, gives us the strength to be witnesses. But turn with me to 1 Peter 4, verses 12 to 14. It'll be on the screen as well. 1 Peter 4, 12 to 14 says this, Beloved, do not be surprised, by the way, don't be surprised again, at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you. As though something strange were happening to you. Oh no, things are weird are happening. No, if you love Jesus, there's going to be things happening in your life. Verse 13, But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed. Because the spirit of glory, by the way, in my notes, that word glory can also be power. So because the spirit of glory and power and of God rests upon you. So we have the strength. We have the strength to be a witness, uh, to share testimony, to live our life in full faith, believing in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior because of the work of God in our life. Because of the work of the Holy Spirit. That we don't have to fall away. That we stand strong. Um, and to be this witness. But I have to admit something to you. And even as your pastor, this this comes as a, as a true confession. It's a lot easier to be a whiner than a witness. Right? It's a lot easier for me to sit back and complain about, oh, it's so hard to be a Christian. Why do I have to live this life out? Um, I would rather kind of hunker down. Life would be easier, right? But it's easier to be a whiner than a witness. Um, but we're called to bear witness. Verse 27, and you also will bear witness. Um, John 15, 25, if you look at verse 25, has this phrase, they hated me without a cause. Um, and this is from an Old Testament prophecy that had to be fulfilled. Fulfilled, But if you think about it, Jesus didn't really have a cause to be hated. 
Jesus was, an, as a man, a great guy. Um, but his claim to be the Son of God, his claim to be God, was enough for the hatred to come. But in light of Jesus' words and works, uh, there was no valid cause to hate him. And I thought about this. There should not, we as Christians should not add to the cause to hate Jesus. In other words, the more we whine, the more we are, are um, angry, the more that we react in hatred to, to the world, uh, we've got to be careful not to blow our witness uh, and not for us to, to understand that, that Christ alone is going to cause the hatred of this world. Um, but Christians, sometimes we don't act the best. Uh, we don't have the greatest example of a witness. Um, I'm going to brag on my wife for a minute. She's been dealing, if you know her at all, she's been dealing with a lot of illness for a long time. It has been over 10 years. She is currently in the hospital. Uh, day three of a procedure that was supposed to be outpatient. We were supposed to be home by noon on Thursday. It's now Sunday. But as soon as we're here, I'm leaving to go, go to hang out with her. But she was even in the ICU. Um, she deals with more than one person's amount of stuff. Here's the thing. Every single day, I never heard her complain. Okay? Even in the midst of, of all this stuff, your pastor doesn't have as strong a faith as your pastor's wife. And I'll admit that to you guys. Because I'm the whiner. Like, give me an excuse to whine, complain about God, or complain to God. Never, never, never. In her pain and and suffering that she has dealt with in the last three days, every nurse, every doctor, everyone coming through that room as they left, have a blessed, blessed day. Have a, you know, and I'm like, shut up. Like, <laughs> I shouldn't say that from the pulpit, but I'm like, what is your problem? You know, and, and it's been a crazy summer. And I will come home all like, oh, can't do this. And I got to do this. And, you know, and she's like, man, look at how I'm blessed. Look at how God's taking care of us. I'm like, shh. <laughs> Let me be in my little pity party, whining away. But no, she's not. Um, what a great picture of this. That life is chaotic. Uh, there's a big mess going on in the world right now. There always has, by the way. But it's, it's not easy being a Christian. But can I tell you, there is nothing greater than to be a Christ follower in this world. Because we have all of God. We have the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. How do we not rejoice in every situation? How do we not celebrate the, the chaos that is there? How, I don't, and I, I would say I don't know, I don't understand because I'm right there. But, but we have a Savior that loves us, a Christ who gave his life for us, whose shed blood gave us access to the Father. We have the Holy Spirit on overtime in our life. How do we not live for the glory of God in all that we do? And yeah, the complaining is going to come, the whining. I won't make it 60 minutes by the time I leave this place. I promise you that. But man, so Jesus says, I don't fall away. You've got me. Like, the world's coming. The world's going to hate you. But live your life because I'm here. Live your life because I've given you all. And you have all to live for. 
Um, what an, an amazing picture. And know this, that when we are doing it right, when we are living out our faith, hate's going to come. It's probably not a good situation if your life is peachy king um, and, and people aren't looking at you cockeyed because you're a believer. It might be that we need to live more of our faith out for that, that we need to bear witness. Um, and, and Christ says that, that we are to bear witness and know that we, Acts 4.20 says, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. There, we can't be silent for what God has done in our life. For the very bare minimum, if you have eternal life through Jesus Christ, your Lord, that's enough to speak about the rest of your life. Let alone all the other stuff that he's added. You're in an amazing family right now of this church, worshiping. That's an amazing picture. One of my favorite references to use for this is Jeremiah 20, verse 9. Let me read that to you. Jeremiah 20, verse 9 says this. If I say I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, there is in my heart, as it were, a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I am weary with holding it in, and I cannot. That's our faith that we need to love and desire and pursue with all of our being, that we can't even be quiet about it, uh, that we have a Savior who loves us so much. And there is a cost to discipleship. There is a cost to following Jesus and giving our all, um, because there's a world that is very dark, and we live in the light, and we know that without this relationship with God, this access to the Son through what he did of a sacrifice on the cross, through the power of the Holy Spirit— we have nothing, um, and we need to understand that we have an amazing opportunity to be witnesses. We have an opportunity to stand our ground, to have this faith that is unwavering and live our life in love to a very dark and lost world. Let me read to you as we wrap up, and I will, I will end with this, Philippians 1, verses 27 to 30, and it's on the screen. Philippians 1, 27 to 30 says, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Let me read that again. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Man, what an amazing picture of the church, right? Standing side by side for the faith of the gospel. And not frightened in anything by your opponents, this is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation, and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Jesus loves you. I hope you know how much he loves you. And we have the amazing gift to love him back and to be in a right relationship, a full relationship, completely committed to him. And in that comes an amazing transformation of our life that we can't be silent about, that we have a message and an opportunity to love on this lost world with all that we have because all that we have is all of God. And hold on to that. Father, I thank you for this message this morning. 
Uh, you continue to work in our lives, continue to encourage us, to challenge us, uh, continue us, continue to help us to stand firm in our faith, to be constantly reminded of this love that you have for us that, that can only but overflow into our life and through our life uh, to all those around us. Pray, Father, I pray for opportunities to serve others, to love others in your name and to continue to be a bright light in this dark world. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.